Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of I Know Why the Nick Caged Bird Sings. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order so that you don't have to. I'm your host, my name is Steve. Joining me, as always, is the incomparable Hannah Martin. Hannah, how are you doing this week? I'm good, but it seemed like you almost forgot the name of one Nicolas Cage when you were delivering that intro, which is concerning because we've watched about 60 of his movies now. Almost 60. Yeah, I think we're <laughs> up to 58, and there's a reason I almost forgot his name, and that is because I actually worked this whole weekend, and so I have had about three or four beers over dinner until <laughs> oh, <laughs> prior boy. to read it, to As recording this podcast. Any, um, any frequent listeners know that when Steve is a little bit inebriated, the podcast is slightly more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they actually know that. I don't think regular listeners even know when. Oh, no, I'm that's inebriated. true. We, we usually talk about when you're hungover. Oh, my God. I think it's less interesting when I'm hungover. <laughs> you can communicate well. <laughs> I do not communicate at all. I think I communicate much better when I'm, you know, two or three beers deep, which is what I am tonight. Anyway. Here we are. This week, we watched an actually really great movie that I have seen years ago, and I think it still holds up. It's a movie called Kick-Ass. So it's based off of the comic, and it is basically about a teenage boy who decides, why aren't there any real-life superheroes? And he decides to become a real-life superhero. Nicolas Cage plays... Not the main character, obviously, because he's not a teenager, but he plays a very interesting, almost mentor, but not quite, like, character. It's really hard to describe in this part of the podcast. All we need to say is the name of his character, and then you'll understand. (laughs) So his superhero name is Big Daddy. Hell yeah. (laughs) Uh, So Big Daddy. I know uh, what we're going to do here today is that hannah's going to give us a little bit of behind the scenes i'll pepper in a little bit of info about the comic itself because i I love comics (laughs) um and then we'll talk about the very few nicholas cage scenes that are in this movie oh but they're good they are great this like i I said this movie was was great it was really good so let's get started with a little bit of numbers Mm -hmm. what do you got so kick-ass came out in 2010 as steve mentioned did i mention that i believe you did Thanks. You said it held up. It's from... Oh, I said I saw it several years ago. Okay. Well, it came out in 2010. Fair. We, this is the first movie from 2010 that we've seen. Oh, really? Okay, mm-hmm. great. In this podcast. Not ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, on I, IMDb, <laughs> this yes. movie got a 7.6 out of 10 and then a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. We don't see that very often. No, we really don't. And I think that's pretty fairly rated. Um, I think like we said, maybe last week or the week before that sometimes with action movies or comedies or mm-hmm. kids movies, they get, they don't get great ratings at Rotten Tomatoes anyway. Yeah. So I think this is pretty good. I just think it's interesting that it's rated exactly the same on both Absolutely. platforms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Usually IMDB, generally speaking, is higher than the Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes, Tomatoes score. If you well, multiply the easier yeah, to I, be, right? right. <laughs> yeah. Because IMDB, anybody could be a reviewer. Mm-hmm. But also the range is much smaller. Well, if you multiplied it by 10, yes. you still get, yeah. Then it would be the same. Right. Anyway, budget mm-hmm. and box office. Budget was $30 million. Box mm-hmm. office was $96.2 million. So I had read that this was the highest grossing movie of 2010? Yes. Wow. But mm-hmm. what is also interesting is this is the second most pirated movie of 2010. We're getting into the years of people pirating oh, shit on the internet. You wouldn't steal the number a car. One, <laughs> Go ahead. Well, you wouldn't what? Oh, the wins. the previews yeah. that they played before all the DVDs. You wouldn't steal a car. Why you would you steal, steal a movie? You wouldn't steal a purse. Why would you steal a movie? Anyway. Because it's easy. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I've ever done it. No. Just go to the library. Um. So let's see. I said that Kick-Ass was the second most pirated. Mm-hmm. The first most in 2010 was still a movie from 2009, Avatar. Oh, that was wow. still the okay. most pirated movie of 2010 because, as we mentioned last week or two weeks ago or whenever we talked about Avatar, it like changed a generation for 20 minutes and then <laughs> it had no cultural impact I, or lasting impact. I do not understand Avatar because everybody and their mother saw that movie five times and then I it saw just, it twice in the movies. And then it just went away. Yeah. 
Halloween's coming up next weekend. You will not see a single child dressed as a Navi. Oh, we should do it. <laughs> we'll just paint ourselves blue. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're home. They did it in 2009 and then never again. Like kids will maybe still dress. Maybe 2010 when they were still pirating it. Maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and then the third most pirated movie of uh, 2010 was Inception. Oh, okay, that also movie makes from sense. 2010. Yeah, I'm surprised. So Iron Man 1 came out in 2008. And I don't know if a Marvel movie came out in 2009. I, you would imagine that some of those movies would have made more than, what was it, $96 million at the box office? But yeah, maybe, maybe one didn't come out. I don't, I don't recall off the, top, off the top of my head. I, I'm not sure. You're the one who said that it was the highest grossing movie. Oh, I thought you confirmed that. I could be wrong. I think I probably was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's exactly what I didn't read that, but... <laughs> Just keep going. I assume that you did, and I trust you. Um Maybe I shouldn't, though. So I'll talk a little bit more about the behind the scenes. We'll start with the movie, and then we'll get on to one Nicholas Kim Coppola. Cage. (laughs) Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Highest grossing films of 2010. Number one is Toy Story 3. Oh. And then Alice in Wonderland, and then Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, and then Inception. Like, it's not even probably cracking the top 10. I was like, yeah, 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 you right, you right. Yeah. I don't know where I read that. It's not in the top 10. Iron Man 2 did come out that year. It was number seven. Well, I think it's interesting that it's, even though like that Harry Potter movie came out that year, that it's still the second most pirated movie of the year. That's true. Yeah. And the number one most pirated movie of that year, because the first most pirated movie was from the previous year. That's a good point. So I think that's cool. Good save. Thanks. (laughs) So I'll talk about some behind the scenes. Mm Mm-hmm. So originally, Daniel Craig or Mark Wahlberg were considered for the role of Big Daddy. I cannot see either of those in that role. And then they cast Brad Pitt in the role of Big Daddy. Whoa. However, Quentin Tarantino said, hey, Brad, you want to be in this really cool movie called Inglorious Bastards? Mm. And then he snatched him away. And then they offered the role to Nick Cage, Hmm. who accepted the role. And I think he did a fabulous job. And I, I cannot picture too. anyone else playing that role. No, no, he did great. So this movie almost wasn't made, as I you know, every say time, every week. But yeah. like this one really struggled to get any money. Okay. Um, so it was rejected by every single studio that Matthew Vaughn, who was the director, mm-hmm. um, presented it to. He ended up raising money personally at a dinner party. Whoa. He had a dinner party with a lot of bigwigs in Hollywood and was like, hey, we really want to make this movie. Can you contribute? And then I guess he got $30 million from that. Matthew Vaughn is actually, I won't say he's one of my favorite directors, but he's a really great director. Um, he directed X-Men First Class and the Kingsman movies. Now, the second Kingsman movie wasn't particularly great. I never saw it. But the first Kingsman movie is awesome it's so cool it's like exactly like this movie almost it's a great action movie it's got heart humor and heroics which is what you want that's a triple h that's that's a thing in the industry and as in the same with the x-men movie um i think the x-men movies were floundering for a long time and then he stepped in and made them great so matthew vaughn's a great director well cool and he uh (laughs) you're like well cool you fucking nerd (laughs) i don't give a fuck but <laughs> we're not here to talk about that he directed the movie that nicholas cage kidding. is in i wanted to give a little bit more I'm color joking. on the director where's my beer oh. <laughs> so he raised a lot of money and it panned out for him because this movie was very successful that's cool it's almost like a crowdfunding yeah lionsgate eventually took it on um, but every other studio said that they would take it if they if matthew vaughn dropped hit girl made her 19 Uh, so we'll talk about that okay so so the reason that no other studio would make it was Mm. because this movie essentially stars an 11 year old girl who (laughs) murders everybody and is very violent and uses profane language yes and at the time i suppose even now that was very controversial um chloe grace moritz plays this character she's like 23 now so it, it is interesting to see her at like the age of 12 playing this role well, and she's, she's a total fucking badass she's so cool she's this movie. awesome but a lot of people had a big problem with that because she says some inappropriate things which she i'll does. talk about um and 
just her character is very violent. Um, mm-hmm. So no studio wanted their name attached to a violent 11-year-old girl. But she is the standout of the movie. Oh, she absolutely is. So so in the comic, Hit Girl says the C word. Yeah, she does um, say it in the movie. They decided to take it out of the movie, and then that scene wasn't landing well. And Chloe Grace Moritz's mom, who was on set, was like, you know what? Just let her say the damn C word. And she let her say the C word, and I I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. She says some crazy shit in this movie. Yes, she does. Uh, so I'll talk about Nick now, and I'll start with an article, um, an interview that he did where he talks a little bit about how there were a lot of feelings about Chloe's character mm. that concerned him. Okay. So he said there were a lot of feelings about the violence, he said, of Chloe Grace Moritz's character. I was concerned. I knew it was going to be something that was uncomfortable for me as an actor. But at the same time, Cage knew from past experience that being uneasy on set often leads to true compelling work on camera. What's more, Mm. the actor said he opposed any softening of Moritz's scenes as a matter of principle. My belief is that any art form, pop art or other, is by nature freedom of speech, he said. It depends on how you come into the movie and what your agenda is. Hopefully you won't have any agenda and you'll just go and see the rated R movie and receive whatever it is the director wanted you to receive. But if you have an agenda going in and say that's inappropriate, you can pick that argument. Conversely, you can come out and say Chloe's character is a pop icon of feminism, feminist strength, he continued, because women go and see this movie and they're really wowed by it. They love her character, how powerful she is. Mm. It's I am woman, hear me roar. Helping assuage... Cage's concerns as well was the simple fact that regardless of age, Chloe Grace Moritz is a remarkable actress. He said, I knew about her right away, that she was marvelously charismatic and had her own sense of humor. I knew she had star presence. And I mean, he's right. Uh, I think across the board, you know, it is very much like, look, you don't have to go see this movie. And if it offends you, then you don't have to watch the whole movie. Or, you know, you also have the freedom of speech to say, hey, this was offensive, but... You know, it, it, they didn't do anything illegal. So. Right. So this poor girl, like when Chloe was being interviewed for this movie, I mean, there were such mixed reviews mm-hmm. that people were very critical of her character. And she had to really separate her personal life from her character's life yeah. and be like, I'm an actor. Right. This is a role that I was playing. If I said any of the things I said in this movie, I'd be grounded immediately. Right. And She's it, like, I'm 11 years old. It's only like, it would only be stupid people i mean but it's hard to explain that to an 11 year old that it's only the idiots are the ones who think that you are right who you are on right. screen especially when the most shocking things of her character don't come from her choices as an actress they come from the script right yeah <laughs> like the violence and the words she uses were not her choice i guess except for the c word that came from her mother but <laughs> but that was i mean that was, it was in the also script, in the script. And that was in the comic so yeah. it was true to the comic yeah and actually, that's that scene in particular, that word, that choice of word is is like ultimately the deciding factor of a lot of those studios for saying no. Mm. Wow. Which I think is interesting. Um, a lot of it is based on feel. It's yeah. so weird. There, there are some things that are very regimented, like you get one free fuck in a PG-13 movie. Mm-hmm. But if you have any more than that, it has to be rated R. But then a I lot of other things... they always intended for this to be rated R. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, I think because they they knew that Hit Girl in particular and Big Daddy were both very violent characters and they needed to show the blood and they needed to have the intense action yeah. scenes to make it work. Was Little Miss Sunshine after this movie? I can look it up. What made you think of that? Because Abigail Breslin is also a little girl who does inappropriate things. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's another movie where... Uh, no, it was before. It was 2006. It was. Okay. There's another movie where the little girl is in a talent show and she gets up on stage and starts singing the I don't fuck with you Oh, song. I don't know that one at all. <laughs> and then her dad comes and like supports her. But I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to think of like other movies. Right with inappropriate, inappropriate little girls, little girls. <laughs> and why hollywood would have a problem with that i wonder if they'd have a problem if it was a little boy well probably not so much well recently there was a movie that came out on netflix that people had a problem with what it was called cuties oh right and it was like 
it was really i i watched maybe five seconds of the trailer i was like what is everybody talking about oh is it like child pornography i don't think it's about that i think it's supposed to be about like the child pageant or cheer or something scene like that but it's it's weird man it's weird why are we sexualizing little girls exactly but this movie doesn't do that so let's get back on track and that's what I think that it was well executed. I Absolutely. Was not, I, it's so obvious that she's an actress playing a character. And there are, so, there are several scenes where, especially by, by today's standards, where you see these action scenes where like she stabs someone through the heart and the knife goes through on the other side. And it's such a bad CGI knife. And you're like, oh, it's yeah. obviously fake. You know what I mean? Like, but also it's not... like it's always at the end of each time that she does this, it's it's always matched with, I'm an independent woman and I can take care of myself. And yeah. like, that's such a cool message that like, even this like little 11 year old girl, yeah. she's standing up for herself and she can take care of herself. So fuck everyone who <laughs> said that, you know, she shouldn't play this character or yeah. whatever. Okay, Nick. So I talked about how he felt about that. He was very supportive of her. He really enjoyed working with her. Let's see. Um, so Nick's character, <laughs> he says that he modeled his speech pattern after Adam West, the original oh. Batman. Oh, I could see that. I saw the movie and I thought he modeled it a little bit more after William Shatner. Yes, he talked a little like this. Only when he was in his like costume, his right. superhero costume. Right. So I had said to you earlier over many beers and dinner of pizza which was which we got this week by the way (laughs) last time we ordered pizza over the podcast we didn't get it um no i had said to you that i'm sure it was a conscious decision of his to maybe when he's in the costume a man of his age would want to emulate one of his childhood heroes Mm -hmm. and you had mentioned william shatner so i thought maybe he's trying to emulate captain kirk but adam west batman makes much more sense Right, but I think in execution, it sounds more like Captain Kirk than Batman. That's true. Which but that I, was his intention. I don't think we've mentioned yet, but his character, Big Daddy, essentially looks a lot like Batman. He does, but I read that his costume was inspired by a French riot police uniform. Okay. I mean, he's also, I, we could talk about it now, but he's also a uh, retired or former policeman. So mm-hmm. he's that's another that thing, too. He's probably what wearing. what he would have mm-hmm. handy. Mm-hmm. Um, so his character in the day to day when he plays just a guy, a retired police officer and the father of Chloe Grace Moritz, not mm-hmm. the superhero, he's wearing his glasses and a mustache and he looks like, like a pedophile. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but he also like looks like a dad. Mm-hmm. Like he looks like a schlubby dad, like who would be wearing his New Balance sneakers yes. and like mowing the lawn. Yes. Yeah, with his thinning hair and his glasses. And he's just like, oh, that's Mr. So-and-so. <laughs> so when he becomes his uh, superhero persona, his disguise for his face, other than a mask that he wears, which shows like similar to Batman, just his mouth mm-hmm. um, and his mustache, he adds extensions to the side of his mustache so that the, it's like a handlebar mustache. Yes. And that was Nick's choice. Oh, okay. You know, I said I looked some stuff up about the comic. I, I tried to purchased the comic earlier today and i couldn't quite find it but i did not see that so that's cool all right so the rest that i have is about nick in 2010 so if you want to share about the comic so that we can kind of you know i i don't i don't think i really have much there's there's sort of a big reveal that i want to save until we start talking about the movie um but i will just say that this comic was written by mark miller or mark millar um so you wouldn't know but he's he's done loads of great comics super uh, red sun superman um we just lost power for a second <laughs> i think my heart stopped we're back <laughs> where were we oh mark God, mark millar uh he wrote a ton of really great comics including the kingsman comic that the movie is based off of that matthew vaughn then directed uh and then the character in the comic book of kick-ass was also co-created by not just the writer but the artist uh john ramita jr and his father john ramita senior uh created characters like the punisher and wolverine and some really popular characters so Cool. Yeah, really popular guys in the world of comics. So um, obviously, 
This comic is probably really good. And from everything I've read, it's pretty similar, except for, like I said, there's one big change. Um, but the comic is pretty similar to the oh, movie. I'm curious what that is. Ooh, we'll get to it. Hmm. All right, let's talk about Nick in 2010. Oh, God. Um, so at the end of 2029. 20, <laughs> 2009. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, 2009. what? Nine years from now. <laughs> um, Nick's father passed away and he had a very mm. close relationship with his dad, as I think I've mentioned in a few podcasts previously, he often draws inspiration from his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, so his dad died. So that was really hard on him. And then the housing market crashed. So that was really hard on him. And then in 2008, the IRS told him that he owes six point seven million dollars mm. in taxes and then in 2009 he owed 6.2 million dollars in taxes so he owes <laughs> like close to 14 million dollars in taxes oh that at your those get added together they get added together because oh. he never paid them um so the irs files a tax line for him and he sells a ton of shit he sells a ton of properties about a dozen vehicles good um 1.2 million dollars of comic books oh that's a shame oh his action comics number one yep that sucks that's rough well he He owed the government money (laughs) and he would have gone to prison if he didn't just pay it fair (laughs) so he anted up um and i read an article in 2000 and in 2010 where nick says that in he's now like done he, he's now square with the irs okay so he paid everything all at once wow so then obviously has zero no dollars to his name and needs to just take whatever <laughs> shitty movie possible and then we get into the dark cages this is which is like this is the start of the dark cages like I, this movie is good right but as you heard this movie was supposed to be like brad pitt well, okay. So also after this movie, I oh shit gets. He horrid. doesn't make a good movie until Spider Verse, which came out last year. Yeah, so we're about to get into the dark, dark ages. Yeah, uh, yes, we're almost there. <laughs> he makes like literally twenty five bad movies in a row. And he, there was a media silence um, for him surrounding this release of this mm. movie, suggested maybe he's backing away from from the public life and sure. it, a lot has gone wrong for him in the past few years Mm -hmm. um so understandably so Mm -hmm. so yeah nick um in his personal life is not in a great place um he's still with his wife though right oh (laughs) oh yeah he's with her until 2016 long time 2004 to 2016 that's great well and then well and then they get divorced they get divorced and then he uh he gets married for one day, I think, and then gets the marriage annulled, which we'll get to. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's coming up. <laughs> I think it was a Vegas drunken marriage. It sure was. As you do. Yeah, that's that's all I have without ruining anything. Okay. Great. All right. So let's get into this movie. So we're going to really highlight almost exclusively the Nicolas Cage scenes. Like we said, this is a really good movie. So... I was thinking about how I would describe this movie, and I think it would be like if you really like, say, the old Spider-Man movies that came out in the early 2000s, or if you if you like some of those old X-Men movies or something. Mixed with Deadpool. Mixed with Deadpool, yes. But this is, this is something different that you haven't seen that's sort of in that genre. It's not very similar to the superhero movies that you see today. This is not like your... Batmans or Supermans that you see today or or any of those Marvel movies. This is a little bit campier than that, as I guess the term to use. So essentially, like I said, the story is about a teenage boy who wonders, why hasn't anybody ever donned a mask and tried to be a real-life superhero? So very briefly about not Nicolas Cage is this kid played by Aaron Taylor Johnson who ends up being playing a superhero he plays quicksilver in uh, avengers age of ultron him and his buddy evan peters who also plays quicksilver in one of the x-men movies there's two quicksilvers in this movie but he's not really in this movie that much aaron taylor johnson is is the the star so he grabs a mask and a, and a suit and he goes and finds finds some guys who are trying to break into cars 
and he says, hey, stop there, and he gets stabbed immediately. And as he's wandering around, feeling all his head's all fuzzy and stuff, he wanders into the street and gets run over by a car, just absolutely decked. So what that does is he had to get several surgeries where his bones are, or they, they had to put like metal plates on his bones, and he said all of his nerve endings got effed up. So he can't really feel pain, and he's a little bit stronger, I guess, like his bones don't break as easily. So he's out on the prowl all the time trying to, you know, stop crimes here and there, and he ends up becoming like a YouTube star, like a YouTube sensation. That's done. The first time we see Nicolas Cage is he and Chloe Grace Moretz are in like this emptied out quarry, and he's got a gun behind his back, and he's holding a gun, and they're talking, and he goes, he's like quizzing her about stuff, and about how like, how fast bullets travel and stuff. And he goes very good after she gets it right. And he just pulls his gun and shoots Chloe Grace Moretz, this little <laughs> 10 year old girl square in the chest. It's awesome. He's, and he warns her before too. He's like, now look, this bullet's traveling fast enough to lift you off your feet and you're going to fall backwards, but you're wearing the bulletproof vest. So you're, you're going to be fine. He just shoots her. And then they have this, little interaction between the two of them he was like all right we're gonna do that two more times and then we can go home and she's like two more times and then we go bowling and for ice cream because she's 10 of course right so (laughs) one of the things he does is as they're talking about this he does touch his mustache he kind of like rubs his mustache he does that a lot Mm -hmm. it's a character trait and right as this scene ends she says something along the lines of like you know i'm gonna get mint chocolate chip or something like that and the camera points directly at Nicolas Cage, and he goes, Good call, baby doll. Amazing. And it's not really like a scream, so I don't know if I inserted it. I'm, I probably did. But that is a key line in Kesha's song that we use for our theme song for this very podcast. That, Good call, baby doll. And he shoots her twice. It's amazing. <laughs> So the very next scene is them at the bowling alley and Nick Cage says to his daughter, says, uh, you know, what do you want for your birthday? And she's like, I want a puppy and maybe like, a, you know, my little pony or some shit. And you can see Nick Cage is immediately stressing out about it. And she's like, I'm just kidding. I want an she AR-15. Goes, I'm just fucking with you, daddy. Look, I love a Benchmade Model 42 butterfly knife. And he goes, oh, child, you always knock me for a loop. <laughs> and so... I, I, we didn't really talk. Well, we did talk. He's got a mustache. He's got glasses. He's got thinning hair. And he just dresses like a dad. But also, it's stuff like that. He uses phrases like an old dad would. Like, honey bunny. Oh, honey bunny. Baby doll. <laughs> you throw me for a loop, you jokester, you. Good call, baby doll. <laughs> the next time we see Nicolas Cage is he's at his house and he's painting. Uh, he's painting mark strong's face so i wonder like whose choice this was yeah so nicholas cage's character is an artist like a comic book artist um in the comics he's a comic book collector i don't know if he's an artist so anyway he is painting mark strong's face now mark strong is again another actor from the kingsman movies who you've never seen. He's, I've never even heard of these movies. He's a, he's a British guy. He's one of those guys that you've seen and stuff. Um, but he's the, he's the main villain of the movie. He's got a drug ring, essentially. And what we later find out is that Mark Strong's character is not only a mafia boss, but he then found out that Nicolas Cage was on to him. Nicolas Cage used to be a cop. And so... He framed him for, you know, drug trafficking or something. And Nicolas Cage went to prison for several years. He trained up his body, learned to fight. He learned everything he could about firearms. And, and that's sort of why he has this this hatred for Mark Strong in, in the drug ring. ring. Yeah. So, also, so he's painting a comic book, I guess. And then it pans out to the room they're in. And it's just artillery. Guns walls. And, and, and grenades and a bazooka on the wall. It's amazing. And This is get, their home. Yeah, this is this is where they live. This is like their garage. <laughs> Chloe Grace Moretz comes in and it's her birthday. And he goes, oh, shucks, I got you the best gift ever. And it's those butterfly knives, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so she's like whipping these knives around like <laughs> amazingly for a girl her age. Like she's she, doing she it. She did... Um, 
I think she did nine months of training. Whoa, yeah. good for her. And she, she she said that she did about ninety percent of her own stunts. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's she's cool. So cool. It's pretty badass. <laughs> so she's whipping around these knives, and Nick Cage is like quizzing her on more, like how fast do these bullets travel? What was mm-hmm. the, you know what is this gun? The velocity what is that? of this, all that stuff. <laughs> and then she goes, "Give me a hard one," and he says. You know, what was the first major motion picture directed by John Woo? He was in Face Off and Wind yeah. Talkers. Those were both John Woo movies. Mm-hmm. That, that wasn't his first movie. That, that John Woo had several movies No, no, no. I'm that. just saying Nick Cage was right. in two John Woo movies. But it was kind of funny that, yeah. that, they, that they mentioned Shout him that. out. Yeah. So then the next time we see them, they're at home and they're watching the news. And on the news is Aaron Taylor Johnson's character who... In the YouTube Ooh, video. Sorry, wait. I yeah. wonder if that means that those movies exist in this universe because John Woo is a filmmaker. Yeah, and so there's just an actor who happens to look a lot like Big Daddy, <laughs> <laughs> and his name is Nicolas Cage. That's cool. So they're at home and they're watching the news, and on the news is Aaron Taylor Johnson, who's playing this masked vigilante known as Kick Ass in this bright green and yellow suit, mm-hmm. and. Chloe Grace Moretz says, well, he's not very Sorry, good. This, this this story is really interesting being told from Nick Cage's perspective instead of Kick-Ass's perspective uh, yeah. because Kick-Ass is the main character right. and we see the movie through his eyes. But because this is a Nick Cage podcast, Steve is telling the story through the eyes of Big Daddy and Hit Girl, mm-hmm. which I think is very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, you're even if you listen to this podcast, you're not going to get the full story. So I would go back and I would still watch yeah, the movie. Yeah, this is a it's good a movie. movie. So they're watching the news and Chloe Grace Moretz says, look, Kick-Ass isn't very good, but he's really popular and we could use that to our advantage. Maybe we should get him on our team kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And Nicolas Cage says, Kick-Ass, more like ass kick. (laughs) That's how he laughs. He inhales. He doesn't inhale laugh at He should be, he should be ass kick. (laughs) It's terrible. So... A few scenes go by, and Kick-Ass is trying to win over the prettiest girl in school, and in order to do that, she says, you know, I just wish someone like Kick-Ass was in my life so that they could help me out with this problem I'm having. There's this guy who, you know, is at this... Won't leave me alone. He won't leave me alone. So Kick-Ass goes to this guy's house, and it happens to be one of Mark Strong's boys. So Mm -hmm. Big Daddy and Hit Girl also happen to be there. And this is the first time we see Chloe Grace Moretz just tearing people apart. And (laughs) Kick-Ass is woefully outgunned. He's just got two little batons. batons. (laughs) And a a, uh, tase gun, a taser gun. Mm -hmm. That she makes, I think she calls it like a pussy gun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, this is like a kid's taser. Like, what are you doing with this? And so right at the end of the scene, there's a guy sneaking up on hit girl right as they think everybody's dead and out of nowhere this guy gets a bullet to the head and big daddy nicholas cage and his through the window batman uniform snipes him from across the street (laughs) on a rooftop it's sick so they get up to the to the roof of of the house that they're on and they're like, you know, come with us. And that Aaron Taylor Johnson and kick ass. He's just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And he, and he leaves. So they show up at his house later that night because they take the, the, taser. the IP address. Yeah. Well, they take the taser and also kick ass had made a MySpace account because it's 2010 and people had MySpace <laughs> accounts. <laughs> so they said between these two things, you were incredibly easy to find <laughs> and kick ass. And like, then they call him by his like full name. <laughs> yeah. They're like, we know your name is Dave. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they say it there, but they, they know everything about him at this point. So this is also where we realize he's talking a lot like William Shatner, but it ends up being more like Adam West Batman that we know where to find you <laughs> right that kind of thing so there's a brief oh, so I, I read mm-hmm. that um matthew vaughn let originally was was a little bit wary of nick cage doing that voice because mm. he really hates the way that um adam west no who's the new batman oh well christian bale at christian the time. bale at the time he really hated the like what he did to his voice so he was like i don't want to like have any Do reminiscence batman of batman and then he heard him doing he was like oh yeah that's good yeah well yeah christian bale at the time was doing like the <sighs> gotham, oh, I know, yeah. gotham city oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where's the trigger Nick Cage. 
Well, yeah, you were doing Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred, get the Batmobile. <laughs> and then yelling at people on set. <laughs> Where were we? So the next scene that we see Nicolas Cage actually is, is back at his house in his gun room, but he doesn't show up until later because who shows up is a cop in, in full uniform. And this is where we see the backstory because the cop picks up a comic book and then it's a comic rendition of Nick Cage's backstory that I explained previously. Um, he was framed for drug use. He had a wife, he had a pregnant wife, pregnant wife died in childbirth, died in childbirth, but also sort of killed herself because she was really stressed or worried, or maybe she was, or maybe she was killed by the mob. It's, it's kind of unclear. Mm -hmm. And, but she was able to give birth to Chloe Grace Moretz. And, uh, there's a a brief interaction between the cop and, and Nick Cage and the cop was his partner. We find out who actually took care of Chloe Grace Moretz while for the first like five years of her life while Nick was in prison exactly so here's the major difference between the comic book and the movie Hmm. in the movie nick cage plays an ex-cop in the comic book he says he's an ex-cop but really he's just an accountant oh who has who his wife didn't die in childbirth he said his wife died in childbirth but really he just kidnapped his daughter oh wow to teach her how to fight yeah Oh my! Yeah, it's pretty crazy, but I I get why. And then they is cut the that. buddy cop not a part of it? I don't think so. But okay. I like I said, I couldn't find the comic earlier. Uh, is I that th- the only thing that? Pretty varies? much everything is very similar. There's a bit at the end how the main villain dies. That's not in the comics. He gets his. It's a cool death. <laughs> it, it is cool. So we'll we'll talk about that in literally like a few minutes because we're almost out of Nick Cage scenes here. Yeah. So there, is, the rest. so there is a scream in here, and that is another reason I bring up this scene. Uh, mm, yeah. He says something about the main villain, whose name is Frank D'Amico, and he screams the following. You owe that kid a childhood. I'll tell you who owes her a childhood. Frank D'Amico! <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good, but there are <laughs> Your eyes just like. crossed when you imitated the... <laughs> <laughs> so... Another character that we haven't mentioned yet is Christopher Mintz, McLovin. McLovin McLovin. is in this movie. (laughs) It's McLovin. And he plays the son of Mark Strong, the villain. And so he, he knows a lot about comic books as well. So Mark Strong this whole time thinks that Kick-Ass is the one he's after, the one who killed all of his men when really he's, he should be after Hit Girl and Big Daddy. Mostly Hit Girl. (laughs) Mostly Hit Girl, but also Big Daddy. So... McLovin, for lack of a better term, <laughs> just says, continue calling him McLovin. I know how to get kick-ass because I also read comic books. So I need you to buy me like a really cool car and a costume and mm-hmm. I'll pretend to be like his sidekick. Right. Right. Because the only thing that superheroes will trust are other superheroes. Apparently, right? So, Which like, I think is from every superhero <laughs> movie I've ever watched, probably false. Right. So... <laughs> While McLovin is trying to dupe Kick-Ass, they discover that the bad guy's warehouse was burnt up and everybody inside was shot in the throat slit and everything like that. So McLovin finds that there's one like hidden nanny cam that mm-hmm. he stashed away in the warehouse because he wanted to set up set up Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass yeah. So Nick Cage, he... Destroyed all the cameras at the place, but he didn't realize there was a nanny cam there. So we see the video of Nick Cage, fully dressed as Big Daddy, in full lighting, just tearing apart a warehouse full of dudes. Just shooting people in the head, slitting throats, just punching people, throwing grenades. It's crazy. It's awesome. (laughs) Because we see it through the nanny cam video. It's, It's a really cool scene. It is a cool scene. So he's back at his gun room, and he's talking on the phone to the cop who's like hey they're on to you they know who you are at this point he's rubbing he's rubbing his mustache again he does say the phrase time for frank d'amico to go bye-bye which Mm. is very very good then he is big daddy then he and hit girl in a later scene but in the same room are talking about how are they going to infiltrate mark strong's lair and uh well, we need to buy this. It's really expensive. It's $300,000. And then he goes, add to cart. Let's buy it. <laughs> and what they end up buying 
is it's really cool a jetpack that nick cage then adds machine guns to gatling guns yes to the jetpack so that's going to come in in a moment uh we also see after uh, in the same room again there's a little bathroom where he adds the mustache and the paint to his face the extensions mm-hmm. on the mustache yeah it's something that's not really explained or explored in batman movies is that he wears the mask over the top half of his face, but his eyes and eyelids are painted black. Right. They never show that in Batman movies. Because it's so cheesy to watch someone, especially like a man, paint their face. And it would look really disturbing if he were to not paint his face oh, under yeah. the mask. Yeah. It would be like really odd looking. It would, it would look really red. It would just... Like your eyelids like would... I don't know. I feel like I, people's eyelids are very red. Yeah. But, like, there'd be, like, holes. Like, yeah. I don't know, it would just look weird, you know? <laughs> so, anyhow, uh, McLovin decides <laughs> yeah. that He's in this. Kick-Ass is not the one they're after. They're after Big Daddy and Hit-Girl. So, Kick-Ass knows Big Daddy and Hit-Girl. So He's going to set him up again. They set him up again. So, McLovin and Kick-Ass go to a safe house that is not their main house with Big Daddy and Hit-Girl. And as soon as McLovin walks in, he pulls out a gun, shoots Chloe Grace Moretz, like two times in the chest she falls out of a window presumed dead but we know because you know the earlier scene that set it up that she's alive yeah that she's wearing a bulletproof vest but also because there's like 45 minutes left of the movie at absolutely this point. absolutely so also here we do hear nicholas cage scream <laughs> like but he knows he knows she's alive he's hamming it up for the yeah for the villains so all of them get captured. Big Daddy, uh, McLovin, <laughs> Kick-Ass, they all get captured. And they're li- the bad guys decide that we're going to live stream the unmasking of Kick-Mass. On Kick-Ass's Kick-Ass. website. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So Kick-Ass has become a bit of like a social media star yeah. at this point. And he, you know, has all these followers on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the whole town has been taken over by it. Like, yeah. Which, yeah, I guess it makes sense. Whole town is, what, the New York City? Oh, yeah, it's New York. They live in New York. <laughs> yeah. It does feel like a small town sometimes. Yeah. That's New York for you, baby. <laughs> but New York. New York. You mess with one of us. You mess with all of us. So Nick Cage, dressed as Big Daddy and Kick-Ass, are strapped to chairs, and these guys are just beating them, laying into it. And they're like, oh, you want to see the big reveal? What's going to happen? And they they dump a whole bunch of gasoline on both of them and they, they light a match and they're like, this is just, I can't explain how kind of brutal the beatings that they take in this scene is. Like, I don't know why. I just really felt it in this scene. Yes. And I remember- It was painful to watch. I remember feeling it when I- watched it the I first time what makes it worse is the villains in the scene explain exactly what it is that they're going to do them to them and mm-hmm. then they do it i think another thing too is that this isn't spider-man this isn't superman or batman like we don't know anything about kick-ass kick-ass could die right Big daddy it's true could die which is <laughs> what happens in this scene wow it is spoiled i spoiled in a grand fashion so but before any of that what what really happens is all the lights get cut out and who is it of course it's chloe grace moretz with, with night, night vision, vision goggles. goggles and it turns into like a first person i was video gonna game. say yeah and she starts just shooting people in the head stabbing them in the throat it's, it's amazing awesome. And but we, it's cool because you don't see her. So right. it's like another scene that the critics can relax about because you're not actually watching an 11-year-old girl kill a bunch of dudes. Right, right. So Hit Girl is, you know, navigating in the dark perfectly. She's doing great. And then somebody drops the match or the lighter and Big Daddy starts to go up in flames, but he's still he's still kicking. He can still give some direction now that there's some light. So now that there's light, people can see Hit Girl and they start shooting at her. And Nick Cage screams the following.
no idea what he's saying here, so you're going to have to tell me. He, I believe he screams, take cover, child. <laughs> now switch to kryptonite. And then, ah, ah. And now drop it. Uh, I believe that's what he screamed there. It's not 100% clear. So what he means by switch to kryptonite, maybe he said switch to strobe light because she turns yeah, on a strobe light to kind of blind the people. Mm-hmm. And then he says, now drop it. And she sets it down on like a table. So they start shooting at the table and she just kind right. of comes around and kills him. Okay, got it. That makes sense. Right. So, so he's instructing her what to do. Exactly. But in a really weird voice. Yeah. <laughs> Take cover, child. Very weird. So he's all burnt up, and the whole bottom half of his face oh that's not God. covered by the mask has got all these scars so on it. And there's a really touching scene oh between father and daughter where he's like, I'm really proud of you. I love you. And then he just dies. <laughs> and it's like, we're like, again, like, you feel a oh, lot yeah. in this scene. It was a great scene. And so he's dead. And so that's pretty much so. The apparently, end of- he mm-hmm. did not deliver any of those scenes like that in rehearsal or in the table read. Oh, really? That it was something that he just felt in the moment, and it worked. Everyone was like, "Hell yeah, Nick! You, yeah, you are a professional." <laughs> it worked. That was great. So yeah, Hit Girl and Kickass now have to band together to take out McLovin and Mark Strong. McLovin and his big daddy. <laughs> and his big daddy, and so. While Kickass is trying to fight regular teenager McLovin, <laughs> uh, Hit Girl is just destroying everybody. But actually, before that, how they get into the lair? Oh, it's great! Is she infiltrates her way in, dressed as a little schoolgirl, <laughs> and is like, Which I she can't find my mommy be, and daddy, she's and then just murders all of them. <laughs> and then fucking Kickass takes the jetpack with the Gatling gun and flies up and just mows people down. It's awesome. <laughs> Through the window. Yeah. And uh, when they captured Big Daddy and Hit Girl, or, or Big Daddy and, and Kick-Ass earlier, they had all those guns on the walls, and one of the henchmen was like, I'm taking this fucking bazooka. Mm-hmm. And so he took the bazooka. So there's a bazooka at the at the place. At the lair. At the lair, Mark Strong's lair. And so when, Mark's, when it comes down to a final face-off between Mark Strong and and kick-ass and hit girl kick-ass comes out of nowhere he's like oh i found this and like just shoots mark strong with the bazooka shoots him out into like the middle of new york and just blows up in the yes it's awesome what a way to die it's what awesome. a way to kill the villain it, it was so cool and the movie the essentially only, ends there the only villain who survives is mclovin mclovin does survive so i guess that sets it up for the sequel because there is a, there is a sequel. They were going to make a third movie, but they didn't. Yeah. Uh, so I think one of the reasons that it's hard to make a, a sequel and a third movie is that obviously uh, you have no more comic to go off of, right? No, they made six a few editions. or seven issues yeah. of this. Yeah. Oh, so, issues. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of story to go off of, and then other people take up the mantle of Kick Ass for a while, I believe, as well. And there are hit hit girl comics and that sort of thing. But I think. Chloe Grace Moretz is significantly older now, and yeah, so it's maybe not as compelling. Probably, yeah, it, and it wouldn't be mm-hmm. when they wanted when they were like, "Oh yeah, if you make her twenty, then we'll do the move. We'll pay for the movie to be yeah, done." I, they probably wouldn't have been nearly as interesting if no, she was twenty. They probably would have made her like a sexy like Scarlett Johansson oh. or something like that. You know, we don't need that. No, we don't need that. And at then all. like the father daughter relationship wouldn't matter as much because no. it's like, well, she's already a grown up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, the second one, I saw a little bit of the second one. I never actually finished it. Jim Carrey's in it. He plays yeah, like a like a, a soldier that is like also trying to be a superhero. He's pretty jacked up and stuff. So he's kind of oh, a good wow. character. But that's, he gets big for the role? I think he's or in a muscle suit. muscle suit. I think yeah. he's in a muscle suit. I, I, I forget, though. I can't so. see Jim Carrey changing his body for a role. <laughs> Me neither, <laughs> except for the Grinch. <laughs> Did he get fat for the Nah, Grinch? he didn't get fat, but he had to put all that makeup the fat on. suit and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he had to put all the makeup on <laughs> yeah. is what I mean. So yeah, that's going to do it for the movie. Like I said, I probably didn't do it justice. So go and watch this movie. And it's yeah, really... it's a fun time. It's fun. And I think there are some stakes. Like I said, characters can and do die. 
um, yeah. on a whim. Don't get too attached to Nick. No, and and I think he's great. I think he's really good in this. He made a choice to be. I'm gonna be like a really lame dad who also knows a lot about guns and like fighting styles and it kind of worked yeah and what i kind of liked about him was that his identity was a father yeah and i feel like in movies when you have a parent if it's a male parent who's taking the father figure their identity is always well it just in in life in general the identity of a man who has children is always that they are whatever their career is first and then they're a dad oh, and then the yeah. identity of woman who has child is that she's a mother first and then it's her career right, right so i thought it was cool that like his whole identity was i trained my daughter mm-hmm. to do this yeah i i heard something recently maybe it was just a headline of an article or error in a podcast or something about how there's this weird for lack of a better term epidemic in television shows in particular how every dad is a moron. They're just idiots. Like Phil Dunphy in Modern Family. Like hmm. every male lead character is an idiot. Like you well, stupid in, dad. Like in sitcoms? Like mostly sitcoms. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I should, sorry. Yeah, I should I should have clarified in sitcoms. But it's but you're right. It's like, why are there these stereotypes? <laughs> why can I only think of Family Guy? I'm like, wow, yeah. But <laughs> like Family is an Guy. Idiot. <laughs> but then yeah, I mean Family Guy, The Simpsons, um Yeah, Homer. Yeah, I mean any sitcom you could mm-hmm. you could name. Like, mm-hmm. He wasn't a dad until like the last episode, but like King of Queens, he was an idiot. Mm. Um, Everybody loves Raymond. You stupid Ray Romano. <laughs> like all of these sitcoms, huh. the dads are just dumb, and it's weird that there aren't very many like smart male role models to their in, children in comedy. In comedy, hmm. but yeah, so interesting. But but it kind of goes along with what you're saying. Like, why is it that females are always mothers first, first and then, and then their career. career second and vice versa for males or, or father figures? Anyhow, where were we? Wow, this ended up being a long podcast. Let's do some Nick Cage awards, unless you have any other closing thoughts. No, this this is good. Let's good. get on to the awards. Best supporting actor. Chloe Grace Moritz. Oh, my God. Yeah. Easily. Absolutely. No, without question. All right. Now, this is a real question for you best dressed is it the big daddy costume or is it him looking like just anybody's dad Ooh, i like anybody's dad wow over the big daddy costume you don't see his face as much it's true you see his handlebar mustache but i think like the addition of the glasses with like his horrible hairline yeah you You just don't i don't know we haven't seen him look like that in a ever maybe (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you gotta figure like the last couple movies or maybe not the last couple but a few movies ago he was trying to be like the sexy guy with the long hair and it's just like that doesn't work for him but this look works for him yeah yeah he looks like someone's dad (laughs) yeah worst nick cage scene there weren't very many bad scenes in this movie Mm. there were a few short scenes like on the rooftop or when they're watching uh uh, kick how about the how t- about the one where um mclovin infiltrates their uh, their like yeah their safe house their safe house yeah yeah i mean a- he screams no but mm-hmm. it's there's not, not much to that yeah scene. gotcha best nick cage scene i think there's two contenders it's obviously his death with that crazy scream yeah his death is really good or where he just tears through the dudes at the warehouse that's also a really good one also, the first scene is fantastic when he shoots when his he daughter sh- yeah, yeah. point blank. Good call, baby doll. Ooh, that's it's really tough. tough, Steve. That's tough. You may have to make this decision for I me. I have to make this. If I have to make the decision, I think it's the warehouse. Where he's just tearing people up, even yeah. though like it's obviously not him. It's probably him in parts, and then they stitch it together yeah. with a stunt double. Because he didn't do anything that was... That stunt. That's true. He always does his own stunts. He does. Yeah, he put a prop gun in his mouth and He's shot it. A fucking idiot. In Vampire's Kiss. Um. Okay, I'm fine with that. The warehouse. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll make a note that there are several scenes. There in are this so movie. many great mm-hmm. scenes. Yeah. Because we we will probably come back and march into another March Madness <gasps> with Bessie. Whoa. I know, yeah. <laughs> another uh, tournament style showdown. I think I know what the answer to this next question is. Best scream. 
it's gotta be the at end at the end with the kryptonite or the yeah. strobe light whatever he screams it's great and then the most nouveau shamanic moment would you call it his laugh or maybe his, his voice his voice or the his mustache of his voice the choice of the mustache the choice of him stroking his mustache on occasion those are the four things i got the mustache the stroking the mustache the voice or the laugh that's all i could really identify i won't give it to the laugh the laugh okay. is subtle <laughs> uh, yeah it only he only does it once yeah he strokes the mustache a lot so that's a character choice that he makes consistently mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it is funny that he chose that his character would have mustache extensions for when he is um, yeah. Big Daddy, but I'm going to have to give it to the voice and mm. the pacing and tone and cadence. Yeah. Yeah. His voice. Yeah. I mean, I know his voice is That's always That's every crazy, movie, but, but like I said, it yeah. was like William Shatner meets Adam West. Absolutely pretty good and it was only when he was in the costume i think so right. it was it was so. like a really interesting choice cool and then his voice in the rest of the movie is great because he's like good call baby doll good call baby doll <laughs> oh honey bunny <laughs> <laughs> so where are we ranking this one i think pretty high i think so too what do you well you know what let's go off of another comic book movie ghost rider mm-hmm. where is ghost, that ghost rider is is at number 10 What's number nine? The Family Man. You love that movie. I love The Family Man. What's 11? National Treasure Book of Secrets. Oh, above that. Above National Treasure. I think I think kick Ghost Rider out of 10. Really? And make it 11 and put Kick-Ass in front of it. Because I think that Nick Cage's character in this is more interesting than his character of Ghost Rider. He was pretty nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like he is Ghost Rider, so he's in the full movie. So we had more to choose from, but I think that his character in this is so different. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I like this movie. Yeah, I really really like this movie. I'm cool with putting it above there. So I guess it's going to be in the top 10. I'm sure it won't be there for long, but it's there for now. It's easy to get knocked out of that last position. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Although... What possibly could we put in the top 10 in the upcoming? Wow. Uh, something could be really cagey or like another so bad it's good movie. Yeah. I'm excited for mom and dad. I know that that's not for a very right. long time. I Do you know what it's about? Yeah. Okay. Me too. I won't spoil it either. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it though. Obviously. Yeah, me neither. Okay. Oh my God. We've seen Left Behind. Left Behind is real bad. But it's not, I don't think it's cagey. <laughs> no, it's not. He's nothing. He showed up for like three days and made six mil and left or something like that. I don't think he made that much, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So anyway, next week we are watching. Oh, fuck me. What are we watching again? I think Ed? it's either Season of the Witch or The no. Sorcerer's Apprentice. No. Uh, I think it's season of the witch. Lord of mercy. The sorcerer's apprentice. (laughs) I think that's slightly better. If I, if my memory serves, I believe it's just a Disney movie. I've seen it. Yeah. It's not good, but I think I've seen both. Oh boy. It's going to be fun. It's funny. My friend texted me a couple months ago and she was like, we're about to sit down and watch a Nick Cage movie. And then I, I didn't see the message. And then like 15 minutes later, she was like, we started the season of The Witch. We got through 10 minutes and could not continue. <laughs> well, that's going to be two weeks from now. We're in spooky season, Han. <gasps> spooky season. So we just watched a movie about superheroes. And now we're watching one about witches. Uh, so- witches. And, a, and, we'll get and the- sorcerers. Yeah. Yeah. We're in wow. spooky season. We timed this well. Remember last year we timed it with Vampire's Kiss? Oh, my God. It was on Halloween. I can't believe that was a year ago. I know. And July 4th was National Treasure. We're doing well. We are doing well. Do we have a Christmas movie around Christmas? Uh, Should we just rewatch A Christmas Carol for shits and giggles? Oh, fuck no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, the Frozen Ground is in early January. I don't know what that's about. I think it's... <laughs> no, I'm getting that mixed up with the Liam Neeson movie where he plays a plow, like a snow plow driver. He plays a plow. He plays a plow. He plays a snow plow driver. He plays a snow plow, not the driver. <laughs> no. He's just an, an animate snow plow. Yes. He's Mr. Plow. That's my name. That's my name is Mr. Plow. <laughs> it's a Simpsons reference. Oh. It's old. Don't worry about it. I thought you were making like a heat miser snow no, miser. No, no, kind of, but no. Oh, boy. 
Wow, wow. Wow, an hour. We did it. And you guys did it. You listened. Jesus. Thank you for listening. Always thank you for listening. We Seriously, thank you for listening. Can't this believe anyone, anyone listens to this. <laughs> I don't even want to listen to this. This is a good movie, though. This, this is, was, yeah, definitely watch it. Maybe not the most entertaining from our perspective, or from your perspective, but entertaining from our perspective, for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. For sure, for sure. For sure. And now you know why the Nick Cage Bird sings. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, guys. Take care. Now, freak out!